DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. Speaking of America, our top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for gold, and DraftKings has a medal-worthy offer just for our listeners. Listen to this. Place any pre-event wager of $1 to be eligible to cash $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. That's 100 to 1 odds on an American athlete to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze this week. DraftKings is easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know that you will too. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins a single medal. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlanski, and as always, I am joined by Nick Horwat, and we can finally breathe after what was a very busy two weeks in the Pittsburgh Penguins world. From expansion drafts, to free agency, to NHL entry drafts, it is all behind us, and the picture seems just a bit more clear as to what the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to look like next season with that in mind, we do have a couple of signings that we want to talk about. We didn't really get to talk too much about Brock McGinn, so we will get into that a little bit more deeper in this episode, as well as talking about the Danton Heinen signing, considering that happened after we recorded last week. So we're going to talk about McGinn and Heinen, and we're going to just ask the simple question. Right now, does this team look like they could make the playoffs? And then we'll finish off with the Pence Bowl, as we always do. But Horwat, before we get into all of that, I do want to ask your opinion on the Marc-Andre Fleury saga as it seems to have come to an end here with him agreeing to play for the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, my thoughts are it's sad, but it's not surprising because I don't know if I said this on recording last week or not, but um, when the subject of retirement was brought up for Fleury, I think my first thought was... That doesn't feel like it would be his retirement on his own terms. That's not his decision, really. I mean, yeah, it would be because it would be forced upon him, but it's not completely him saying, my body can't do it anymore, or I'm not getting another contract, or so whatever it may be. A team still wants him, despite how garbage the organization might be at the moment. Um, a team wanted him to play for them, play for them. and... No matter what happens with the Chicago thing, they're not going to, you know, get rid of the team. They're still going to be around. They're one of the original six. They're going to still be here. They're still a storied franchise to play for. And that still means something to players. So I'm not shocked. Um, I'm also not surprised the Penguins didn't take a shot at him. I get what everyone has been saying about the Penguins and looking for a veteran goalie and wanting to move on from Jari or make him a 1B or a 1A with a 1B or whatever it may be. 
But at the same time, and I know GMs lie all the time, but Hextall has said on multiple occasions that he is still confident in Jari and that he and DeSmith will be returning next year. So get used to it, I guess. Maybe a move is still going to happen. I don't know. But I'm going to take Hextall's words at face value for the moment and say we're stuck with Jari, so get used to it. Maybe he can bounce back. Bob Grove, um, you know, Penn's, Penguin's historian, uh, expert, uh, but reporter said that it's still too young in his career to completely write him off, and I kind of agree with that. So for the flurry thing, obviously I just didn't feel like he was going to retire. Was it an awful, awful situation for him in Vegas? Yes, that's not how a team should be handling their players, um, and they have the reputation for that. So there's that part of it. So yeah. it doesn't surprise me that that's kind of how it ended. But it does surprise me that it was the Blackhawks. I think that's the biggest surprise here is that that was the team that did it. In the midst of their saga right now, they decided to go out and try and... Awful phrasing here, but they tried to go out and cover it up by signing a bunch of good players and notable players. Yeah, so... It sucks that it's Chicago. I think that's the worst part of it. If you would have said Flurry's going to, I don't know, give me a, give me almost any other team, Arizona, then that's kind of a bad one. If you would have said Flurry got, got dealt to Dallas before they signed, uh, whoever they signed, Holtby. Holtby. If you would have said he went to, you know, Carolina before they, you know, signed everyone, or if you would have said New Jersey, I'd have been like, yeah, no, that makes a little more sense because it's a team that isn't going through some shitty situations and it's a bit more of a likable team in my opinion so it's it sucks that it's Chicago I'm not surprised that he's playing because again it's not his decision to retire and it is still he still has you know a lot left in the tank he still has something to give he's got something to prove so I'm not, I'm not going to like it. It'll be the ugliest thing ever, seeing him in a Chicago Blackhawks uniform. <laughs> I think Vegas at least made a little more sense. There was circumstance to that. This is just the meme of um, the Godfather. Look how you've massacred my boy. <laughs> That's yeah. all it's going to be. The first time they tweet a picture of it, I'm just going to tweet that in response and let it be because that's the only words I have on it. I'm not shocked. I'm a little disappointed, but hey, he's a hockey player and... He'll be in the Hall of Fame one day, and that's when it all ends for him, right? That's when it's all good and good and settled. Yeah, and if you read the piece by Scott Powers in The Athletic detailing when he started to kind of soften on the idea of playing for the Blackhawks, you would have seen that retirement wasn't an option that he really would have liked. He was weighing this for his wife and kids, this decision. And it was not because of what Chicago has dealt with off the ice this offseason, although... I'm sure that plays a small factor, but to him, it was more about uprooting his wife and kids. And he has now decided, of course, as we mentioned, to, to play for the Blackhawks. So we yeah. wish him the best, obviously. You're not going to have to wait long to see yep. him in a Blackhawks uniform because he will be here for the Penguins' home opener, I would imagine, probably starting between the pipes unless we see Kevin Lankin and they pull a, a full Vegas Golden Knights in that situation. But Marco Andre Fleury will play next season for the Chicago Blackhawks and there's not really much else to be said. We have covered a lot of it, but I mean, you, you obviously wish him the best, but it is going to be weird seeing him donning the Blackhawks uniform there in their attempt to get back into the postseason because that's what it was. And that's what the Blackhawks believe. Adding him and Seth Jones will help push them back into the postseason. We'll just have to see how that 
works out for them. But let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins and their attempts to push into the postseason now for the 16th straight season in the NHL. And part of that is signing Brock McGinn to a four-year, $2.75 million contract. Brock McGinn is probably expected to be a third liner, most likely. He's a fourth liner if all things are going well for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But for the most part, we're going to expect to see him on the third line. Horwat, now that you've had a couple of days to collect yourself, because we did talk about this right as it broke on our last episode, but now that you've had a couple of days to sink in, kind of look at the player, what do you think of this? I like side? it a lot. I liked it then, um, whenever we were in the middle of recording when it got announced, uh, but I couldn't go too uh, deep into it. I know I liked it then, um, and if I'm looking at the deal, I kind of don't mind that it's four years. Right, let's be honest. like It's... The Brandon Tanev replacement. It is. It absolutely is. Um, but maybe, obviously, a, a lower cap it, and he's younger. So he's got a couple of things going for him in that sense, that he is just a younger, cheaper Tanev. Can he perform the same way? I mean, he doesn't use he doesn't throw the body as much. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like he might have a bit more of a, of a scoring touch, a bit more of an offensive upside. I don't have Tanev's numbers in front Tanev's numbers in front of me, but I do have McGinn's where you kinda have to take last season for a ton of people at face value. Not a full season. Yeah. Uh, it looks like McGinn may have been hurt. He only played thirty seven games. Um, and picked up eight goals and five assists for thirteen points in that span. Not terrible. Again, he played on a pretty good Carolina team that um you know, should have been better, I guess. I don't know how to put it, but uh, he hasn't been a bad player, and like you mentioned before, the most Penguin fans think of him think of him as is knocking out the Capitals in the playoffs. So he's already got that on on his side for Penguin fans. Um, I do see it as an upgrade from Tanev, though. It's cheaper. It's an easier contract to move too. If you really do need to, um, they didn't smack a, a clause in there. They said here's four years straight. If we want to get get, get rid of you, we're getting rid of you because you're cheap. And I, I don't want to say we could retain some of that, but we could if, if completely necessary. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a good deal. I like the signing. He's, he should perform pretty well here, and he's going to be here for a couple of years. At least let's see how the first year goes and really pass judgment because I think he's got the potential to really do something. Third line, fourth line guy. Um, that should be useful. Yeah, you mentioned he had 13 points in 37 games. Brandon Tanev in 32 games scored 16. So very comparable when it comes to offense. But also when you think about it, Brandon Tanev, that was a high-powered offensive year for him. I think he was more offensive last season than we could have hoped for. I think he overperformed in that category. And we need to realize we don't really know too much about Brock McGinn because we've never really watched him in depth. From what I've seen, he can kind of score from all over the ice, but mainly does his business in front of the nest, which is what the Pittsburgh Penguins need and what the Pittsburgh Penguins wanted. And also, the penalty kill for the Penguins was an issue last year, and Brock McGinn brings a little bit more of that, a lot more experience on the penalty kill. He's somebody that, along with Teddy Bluger and Zach Aston-Reese, are going to be kind of the three heads of what's going to be hopefully a better Penguins penalty kill this year, and that's something that they can hopefully hang their hat on. But also, what you mentioned about 13 points and 37 games played, that's still an uptick in points per game for him from the 2019-20 season. I know he scored more points technically in 2019-20, but he had more points per game 
last season with Carolina. So it's not like he's regressing in the offensive category. He was a pretty good player for the Carolina Hurricanes. Like you said, it's a very deep team down there in Carolina. And we'll probably talk about them a little bit when we talk about whether or not the Penguins are going to make the playoffs. But Brock McGinn, I think, was a really good signing. You notice he was the only player signed to the main squad that was given more than a year. And I think that speaks wonders to what Ron Hextall thinks of Brock McGinn. Because in an article that I put out actually today, when this comes out, it kind of highlights the fact that there seems to be a consistent theory with Ron Hextall's signings this year that a lot of them are one year. And it opens up the fact that he only has 10 players committed for next season. And only about half the cap. Now, of course, that is including Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, and Brian Rust, who he mentioned he's going to try to get extension talks with in August. But at the same time, to see them sign McGinn to four years, whereas signing guys like Rodriguez, Simone, Danton Heinen, who we'll talk about in a minute, all to one-year contracts and with all the other contracts set to expire, it's pretty telling how much Hextall thinks of McGinn by giving him four years in the first place. It's the first. Mm It's one of the first big signings of his regime here, of his Mm -hmm. team, of his uh, roster. I think it is. uh, There was the Carter thing, but that was a trade. And when it comes to signings, there was Friedman. But this is the first, like, splash, the first. I mean, that was a waiver pickup, so even semantics, but still. No, I get it now. Uh, It is the first big deal. It's the first big, hey, this is my team piece. Here you go. Sure, Jeff Carter's Mm going to be in there, but again. Jeff Carter's probably retiring after this year. So when he really starts to flesh out his roster, which will probably be um, next summer, or next, yeah, next summer, really, because we got a ton of these contracts ending. It could have been this one, but they decided to extend Rodriguez um, and bring back Dom Simone. But that one was definitely mm-hmm. not all Hextall doing the talking. There's no way. Um, it'll be interesting to watch again. I think. He's probably going to still try and shed Matheson if he doesn't have the same season. Uh, it'll be fun. I do like Brock McGinn. The signing's going to be a lot of fun, though. Yeah, I think the real thing that we need to look at is who he's going to end up playing with. And once Evgeny Malkin is healthy, which is a big question mark heading into the season, I mean, as of right now, they've only said that he is definitely going to probably miss training camp. So we don't know if he's going to be ready for the beginning of the season. It does not appear that he will. But once he comes back, you would think Brock McGinn ends up playing on the wing with Jeff Carter. And I don't hate that if I'm the Pittsburgh Penguins. I've seen a lot of kind of mock lineups for the Penguins with the players that have been signed. And it it looks better than it did before. Yeah. And honestly, and I'll talk about this in a minute and go on a, a tiny bit of a rant. But I don't think we need to take too much stock in what the opening night roster is going to look like. Game one of 82, I don't think we need to take entirely too much stock into that. That one, no, because it's because Malkin won't be there. Um, mm-hmm. And we don't know how guys like Poulin, Legere, uh, Hollander, we don't know how they're all going to perform in training camp. We don't know if they're going to mm-hmm. greatly impress someone and all of a sudden they're in over Rodriguez or they're in over, I don't know. Who else I could be over at this point? You know what I mean? Someone could really impress. Zahorna yeah. could make the starting the starting lineup, you know? it's There's all kind of variables that you really can't put that lineup out 
in August. I mean, when does training camp start? Late August? September? September. Um, if I'm lucky enough, are they going to have people there? Do we know this yet? We should. Uh, yeah, we don't really have no much information. information on training camp. We're just trying to get yeah. through the, the, the offseason. For what it's worth, I will try and find an open day if I can to go to one and report back what I can to here. Uh, just to say I've gotten eyes on this team a little bit and who looks good and who doesn't because, first of all, I haven't been doing training camp in a long time. Last time I went to one was the, oh, I don't remember, but I just remember Nikita Pavelchev, if anybody remembers, the six foot nine <laughs> winger from Penn State. I remember seeing him there. That's how long it's been for me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's um, it'll be interesting. I'll try and make it out to one, and for what it's worth, you can't make the lineup right now because you don't know who's going to no. impress. You don't know who's going to completely fall apart. <laughs> you know, and you don't know the opinions of Mike Sullivan about any of these players. Yeah, that and who knows? Who's other than Dom Simone? You you know you pretty much know how much he likes good Dom Lord, Simone. Good lord, he better not be on the first line. <laughs> um, good lord, he better not be on the lineup to start. Not that I don't like Dom Simone, but. It, it's August 1st when we record this. We can't mm-hmm. also start predicting lineups whenever, hey, more trades could still happen. Hey, we genuinely, yeah. Yeah, yeah Hextall has said uh, he wants to go with Jari and DeSmith. That might not happen still. We don't know. He he didn't say that. He said, I expect both to be here at training camp. That doesn't necessarily mean that's his duo because he specifically kind of shied away from Wes Crosby's question was, is that your duo heading into the season? And he said, they will both be here at training camp. Well, you never know still. So I might be galaxy branding it. A little bit. But it feels like he's still going to be trying to make a trade for a goaltender throughout the rest of the offseason. Whether or not that gets done in the offseason or a little bit into the regular season, that remains to be seen. But it seems like Hextall is still looking it for a goaltender. It would sure have to be a trade. That's for sure. Well, yes. Yeah, there's not really much left on the free agent market. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to organize it now uh, because... All of the big ones are gone. That is for sure. Yeah. Where's position? Mm-hmm. Sort by? Oh, that's a lot of things. Oh, nope. Never mind. Not doing it. I'm lazy. There's like two <laughs> left, and I no think pro- one of them is retired. So. <laughs> yeah. Probably Ryan Miller's he, name is he, on that he, list still. Is, yeah. But. So let's move on to talk about Danton Heinen because we did not have the opportunity to talk about him on our last episode because he was signed the day after. I guess second day of free agency, whereas we recorded on the first day of free agency, the Penguins signed Danton Heinen to a one-year, $1.1 million contract. He's more of an offensive threat than Brock McGinn is, and you would expect him also to be on that third line when the season opens with what would normally be Jeff Carter, but if the Malkin injury persists, which we expect it to, it'll probably be with somebody like Teddy Bluger or maybe a different option like Evan Rodriguez as a third-line center. His numbers, uh, his, both his major numbers and his analytics, took a hit when he moved from Boston to Anaheim in early 2020. And we will actually have on the guys from the Quack Report podcast, both Carter and Nate, to talk about Danton Heinen and what they saw in him on Thursday's episode. So stay tuned for that. But as far as what I have looked at and seen from Danton Heinen, he is the antithesis of what Nick Ritchie is. Clearly, because he was traded for Nick Ritchie in 2020 from Anaheim and Boston. So Nick Ritchie brings size and size and strength. What I've heard is Danton Heinen is not, I mean, he's a pretty big guy when it comes to frame, but he doesn't play that way. So you're not getting that sandpaper as Brian Burke would want. So obviously Danton Heinen played in Boston's 
Cup run in the 2019 postseason, so he has postseason experience. He knows what it takes to go on a Stanley Cup run. He was he was one game away from being a Stanley Cup champion. So I personally am going to take the bet that he's going to be more productive offensively than he showed with the Ducks. I don't know about you, but I feel like this is a position where you're giving a player the opportunity to come back and prove that he is the 50-point guy or close to the 50-point guy that we saw several years ago in Boston and not the guy that we saw the last couple of seasons in Anaheim. So hear me out on what I'm about to say. Okay. And I don't want this to be taken the wrong way because Mark Jankowski is horrible for us. At the beginning of this, when we signed Jankowski, I looked at his rundown of his career and said, this is a project that he we want him to return to his form. That clearly didn't happen. At least yeah. when Jankowski hit his lows before getting here, it was bad. At least this is already better than that. So he's yeah. already higher up than Jankowski. But I'm looking at this kind of in that in that same vein as this is a guy we want to revert back to not what he did last year, but like the year before. He needs mm-hmm. to really kind of pull everything out and get back to normal, just not from directly last year. I have a little more confidence in this one because, A, Anaheim was just an objectively bad team last year. So you really can't take those points into account. Yeah. Uh, But then you look at his Boston numbers and you look at, you know, important play and, you know, big points. That's the stuff we need from him. And that's the stuff I believe we can get. I get it's going to be a low line roll again, but he's not hitting, you know, 47 points on the fourth line. But um, anything over 25? What do you think? I don't know. I like it. I do I do like this signing a lot. Yeah, the Jankowski comparison's a bit off the wall because Jankowski was mm-hmm. just bad. But um, there's belief in him. I had belief in Jankowski when we first got him. He let me down. So let's try this again, shall we? Dan Heinen, come on down. I have belief in you. Yeah, I think the one key difference when I think of Danton Heinen and Mark Jankowski is foot speed and skating ability. Dayton Heinen has that a lot better, which we saw last year how much Mark Jankowski struggled to play on this team because he simply couldn't keep up with Mike Sullivan's system. I don't think that's going to be an issue with Danton Heinen. And he does have a real, he has a good shot. He doesn't have a Jared McCann type shot. So a lot of people saying that this is a replacement for Jared McCann. I can see it in some aspects, but realistically, let's not hold Brock McGinn to what Brandon Tanev was. I mean, we can. He's probably going to outperform him numbers-wise. He's not going to outperform him personality-wise, and that's what the issue might be with Penn's Twitter and Penn's fans the first half of the year. And let's also not compare Danton Heinen to where Jared McCann is because I don't think Danton Heinen's going to quite have the impact. He did play on the power play in Boston in some occasions, and he had a a good bit of power play goals, especially in his 2019-20 season with them. But I don't expect him to be a power play guy for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Maybe a power play two guy. Let's just take it for what it is right now. And that is a one-year, low-risk, possible, pretty decent reward signing by Ron yeah, Hextall. The whole McCann comparison is, that was wild to me. I just think... I think people are just trying to fill those spots with the players. Yeah, they're and they're just imagining what used to be there, which you cannot do. It's a different team mm-hmm. now. It's a different team every year. Even in the years that we went back to back, it was still a different team. There were still changes made. Yeah. You couldn't. Who did Jake Gensel take? What what spot did Jake Gensel take in twenty seventeen? Like maybe roster wise, at least maybe not position wise. Uh, yeah. 
you just can't make those comparisons. I know it, it is something that, especially when you look at the players signed, it does it, it does quite look like replacements, especially with the contracts as well. I mean, they're cheaper contracts, but it, it looks like from afar and from somebody who's just glancing over it, it looks like they got the Walmart brand of Brandon Tanev and Jared McCann. But I'm here to say that that is not the case. These are two... I wouldn't say entirely different players because they do have their similarities to those two, but let's not judge them based on what was there before them. True, exactly. The Walmart brand's putting it lightly in the Heinen situation because McCann is just a completely different player. That's the issue that mm-hmm. I was taking with that comparison or with that replacement thing. Like they're just two completely different players. Heinen's not going to be your power play guy. He's not. He, do, he does not score the same way. Um the most he's going to do in a McCann replacement is take his position. That's it. But then yeah. you have to figure it's a different team. That's going to be a different line with a new identity. So let's not throw that comparison out there. I do like Walmart brand, Brandon Tanev for Brock McGinn, but he's a Walmart brand that could step up. He's that He could be that quality find that you rarely get at Walmart, you know? I was about to say, sometimes great value brand great is value good. value brand is awesome. It's like their one redeeming quality. Sorry, I'm not a Walmart fan. I work at Target. I'm not supposed to like Walmart. <laughs> yeah, th- that's like that's like the evil empire to you. But let's move on to a very important question. Does this team, as constructed currently, make the playoffs in 2022? Before I ask that, Horwat, do you see Hextall making other changes before the season starts? Or do you think this is what we see Heading into night one against Tampa. I think more changes are coming still. This defense is not fun right now. Pedersen needs... I think we really do need to move on from Pedersen while we can. Uh, We do. I'm sorry. This... I think you... I think you have an easier time moving Pedersen during the regular season. I think you have the ability to move him maybe a month, two months into the season where, yeah, you're going to clear some cap space. You might bring some back, but you have that time... I think you have Chad Ruedel as a stopgap or Mark Friedman, who is thought of very highly in the Penguins organization, or at least by Ron Hextall. So I think they have options for that third pairing right side, but it's not, it's not what I'd like to go into the playoffs with, but it's definitely okay to go into the beginning of the regular season. Yeah, I get it. I just still think we've seen how many defensemen are getting moved out for first round, second round picks and and pieces let's take advantage of that. I get his contract's a yeah. bit of an albatross, but he's 25 mm-hmm. and give him a year. That might be a great contract. Let's say he's got th- he's got 4 year- 4 years left right now. Let's say he has one more building year and he goes into his age 26 season with 3 years left on it at 4.025. He blows up right there. You have him at a good deal with 3 left at 40 at 40. And he's a solid second line defenseman for whatever team he falls to mm-hmm. hell if it's a bad enough team he'll be the starter start like uh top line left defenseman there if it's a team like buffalo i don't know uh yeah. just if I, I can't remember any some of the trades now but if some definitely not as good defensemen are you know getting returns of second round picks take it mm-hmm. take the advantage i think that's why i'm saying we need to do it this off season. Yeah, and I was listening to the Locked on Penguins podcast. As you know, I listen to basically every episode that Hunter has. But they were talking about how, yeah, Brendan Nillon did go for two second-round picks. One, yep. he, he did, and that's true. But Ron Hextall continues to preach 
that he's going for a hockey trade, which means he doesn't, he'll probably take picks back, but he's looking for a hockey trade, which means he's probably trying to use Pedersen and another piece to bring back that goaltender that we've been talking about. You can't have it all in separate pieces, especially when you're trying to hold on to your own draft picks and prospects. So he's looking for a hockey trade with him. Otherwise, and this is what I heard on that podcast, again, Locked on Penguins podcast, is he'd be gone if he was just being traded for draft picks. But Hextall wants a hockey trade. That's why we still have Pedersen. And honestly, the opinion of Pedersen has yeah. soured, but he's still a serviceable he defenseman. He's still an NHL defenseman. He's not replacement level by any stretch I, of the word. Yeah. So if he is here at the start of the regular season, I don't hate it, especially because of how him and John Marino can play together at times. I'm not too upset yeah, no, about that. I don't hate it either. Um, I just, I, I would have preferred if the trade was going to happen for draft picks that it happened before this draft when we had none. Yeah. Uh, but now we have at least six draft picks going into the 2022 draft, so that's not terrible. Um, yeah. And no, even if we don't trade them, I'm not angry at it. I'm not. You know, am I a little upset at the contract? Sure, but at least I can look at, look at, uh, Pedersen's contract and smile whenever I realize he's playing a line below Mike Matheson. Um, yeah, no, I don't hate him as a player. I think just the opinion on him is soured because he spent damn near 365 days on the trade block or in the trade rumor mill. That's kind yeah. of the issue here. It's, oh, we're going to try and trade Pedersen? Well, that's actually a really good trade idea. Let's not stop focusing on that until it happens because it's just the way yeah. fans and the internet works because... Yeah, I think it's the same thing as we we want pens and six, but we don't want to lose the two games to get there. We yeah. want to trade this guy, but we don't want to wait around until it doesn't happen because he's a good player. It's weird. Yeah. I hate it, but it's fun. I think the worst thing that ever happened to any NHL general manager is cap friendly. Yes, because it... if it wasn't for Pedersen's salary cap, if we didn't know what Marcus Pedersen was getting paid, we would have no issue with him. But it's the problem of you look at the salary cap. You look at the situation the Penguins are in with the salary cap, and you look at Marcus Pedersen's $4 million and can only sit there and think it, he might have gotten his payday a bit too prematurely. And that, again, is on Jim Rutherford, not Ron Hextall, and, and now it's Ron Hextall's job to kind of work around it. But I, I think we're a little too harsh on some players based on their salary cap. Jason Zucker's another guy that falls into that category, which we won't dive into too much right now. But obviously... There's things that need to be worked out for the Pittsburgh Penguins with the salary cap. Right now, they are cap compliant. But if Hextall wants to make some more moves, we're going to have to see him wheel and deal a little bit more. But I do want to talk really quickly about what I said earlier. And that is about the opening night roster. I think people care way too much about what the roster looks like and what the lineup looks like in game number one. If you go back to last season and think about who was in the lineup for the Penguins on January 13th of this year against the Philadelphia Flyers in Wells Fargo Center. There's four forwards that I look at and say, wow, they weren't playing when it came to game one of the postseason. Colton Sevier, Mark Jankowski, Sam Lafferty, and Evan Rodriguez. Now, Evan Rodriguez is the only, probably the only one of those three that will be in the opening night roster this year. Are we really going to judge the Penguins based off of what they look like in game one? It is a long season. You need a lot of contributions to make the playoffs. As we said last season, you had Redeem Zahorna made a contribution. You had P.O. Joseph made a large contribution for a period of time. 
Anthony Angelo made a contribution at times. There's a lot that goes into getting a team to the postseason and getting a team to where their roster and their lineup looks like in the postseason. And we can't judge whether or not this team is going to be successful in the playoffs until they make the playoffs. And what we see what that team is post-trade deadline, at least. So a lot of people are saying, wow, this team just ruined it. Ron Hextall has ruined the Penguins' playoff streak. There's no way this team makes the postseason. Let's hold off for a second. Because this is the team we're going to see in night one. And no, they might not win on night one. Especially because they're playing Tampa Bay in a cup-raising ceremony. It's very hard odds. But they might win game two. They might beat Chicago in game three. Flurry. And they might be a playoff team. Oh, yeah. So let me ask you the question. As they're constructed right now, are the Pittsburgh Penguins a playoff team or what? You know, I think so. I do think so. I think, and I'm taking, I'm going to galaxy brain my answer and saying, yeah, we have, now that divisions are back to normal and we're kind of playing everyone, we should take full advantage of taking the bad teams across the league. We should, should, I know it didn't happen last time, but we should handily take down the Western road trip. Um, at least the California teams. Maybe not LA this year. Who knows? Um, what was that? You muted. <laughs> Sorry about that. I said, I don't know if I would bet on the Sharks. <laughs> Evander Kane. Ah, but I got him. Um, except he is saying all of that is false, which we're not. I would too if I was accused of betting on my own team and throwing well, the games. Well, let's not get into it right now. If anything, if anything, <laughs> he should be barred from the Hall of Fame for life. We're just going to put it at that. If we're, if we're, oh, if we're setting that precedent, we're doing it that way. Um, that right. No, it's hard, it is hard to, to declare a team a, a playoff team um, before a trade deadline, before a, sal- uh, or before a uh, training camp. I look at the team right now and say I think so, because I'm going to galaxy brain it a little, like I said, and say Crosby is still Sidney Crosby despite being 34 soon. Um, if Kenny Malkin's going to come back at some point and hopefully be hungry for something big, uh, he was playing with a knee injury and not playing the worst hockey we've ever seen him play in the playoffs. He seemed pretty yeah. okay. Jake Gensel's hitting a stride this year. He has to. He's 26. He's getting to that point. Jason Zucker, we got to figure out what to do there. We do. He's got to mm-hmm. return or we got to get a return. And then there's rusting happening. Always solid. And you look at the defense, Crystal Tang, in a contract year, why not step your game up a little when you played phenomenally last year? Why not? Find that other level. Um, Matheson was okay. We, we're not mm-hmm. still not the biggest fans, but at least he was okay. Um, and like and Brian Dumont's still there. So I think it's going to come down to goaltending again. If Jari can turn it around, I fully do believe this team can really do something and make the playoffs. I mm-hmm. get the division won't be easy. Uh, the Islanders seem yeah. to keep stacking up. I th- I need to look at Washington's roster again. I wasn't confident in them last year, so I don't know how many additions they may have made. Uh, Philadelphia just needs to keep sucking. That'd be nice. Um, the Rangers <laughs> yeah. might be good. And who am I missing? Who else is in our division? We don't have to play Carolina. Carolina. We don't have to play Boston anymore. Carolina's got too many things to figure out this year. Now that they've brought in a new tandem of goalies and decided to make decisions that many wouldn't agree with Mm -hmm. but at the same time build a good team they built a good team they just have to now figure it out and 
who else is in the division now that I'm forgetting? Philly, like I said, seems to be. Uh, I mean, I think I got them all. You already said Philly, but Columbus, but they suck. Columbus, so. yeah, and they're bad. So doesn't doesn't really. So make I a think difference. we could squeeze it in. I think. And you and New Jersey, yeah, as and well. we do have to remember also, with not the same team, but with kind of the same makeup of this team, we won the hardest division last year. It was our biggest yeah. success of the year, and it sucks to hang a hat on that, but. It's something. We proved that we can do it. Why not do it again? Mm. Yeah, right now I think they're a fringe playoff team. I, I think they are not tops in the division as they stand right now, but I don't think they are clearly out of it. Uh, Malkin's injury gives me a little bit of hesitation. Uh, he wasn't great during the regular season last year prior to the injury. After he was injured, it, it is what he it is. What he, it is. he was playing on torn ligaments. So... You take it for what it was. He did have a pretty decent performance in the postseason, but again, following another surgery, two back-to-back off seasons where he had back-to-back elbow surgery, which is not completely cleared up. He's also a year removed from getting all that cartilage taken out of his elbow, so we'll see how that holds up through the season. And coming off of knee surgery at the age of 35 now, as he just turned 35 over the weekend, we'll have to w- watch that. I do have a little bit of hesitation with Evgeny Malkin's injury. Again, I don't know what he's going to look like when he comes back. When he comes back, that's when we can judge where we think this team is going to go based on his performance. Yes, obviously Sidney Crosby is going to probably will this team to contention, yeah. at least for a playoff yeah. spot, because that's what Sidney Crosby does. The other question that I have is Jeff Carter. Okay. Jeff Carter was great after the Penguins acquired him last year, obviously. He had, what, 12 goals in 17 games, and then he was one of the best players for the Penguins offensively in the postseason. I want to see if Carter can carry over his performance, also without Jared McCann. I don't want to say Jared McCann made Jeff Carter because that's completely untrue, but those two had a really good chemistry, and I want to see what happens when Carter is taken away from Jared McCann for the entire season, obviously. So we'll see what he can do. We'll see who he he can build chemistry with. It might be Brock McGinn. It might be Evan Rodriguez. It might be Dom Simone. Who knows? I want to see what he does with a new set of linemates because he also lost Freddie Gaudreau, who was on his third line during the postseason. So we'll see what happens with that. And as far as the rest of the division is concerned, it is going to be tough. It is going to be a very difficult division to make the postseason in. The New York Rangers, they got bigger and tougher. They seem to just respond to the Tom Wilson thing. Ryan Reeves is back in the Metropolitan Division. They're still a really good young team. I don't think those additions... I think those additions help them. I I know that might be a hot take because a lot of people are saying, what is Chris Drury doing? I I do think he overpaid for Barkley Goodrow, but there's a reason Barkley Goodrow cost a first-round pick for the Tampa Bay Lightning a couple seasons ago. He's a good depth piece that can help your team win in the postseason. So I think the Rangers did get better, and I think they're going to be a good team. The New uh, New York Flyers. Wow. The Philadelphia Flyers for what it's worth, had a really bad year last year, but did get a little bit of help on defense. And I'm not expecting Carter Hart to be as bad as he was last season. So with that, there might be an opportunity for the Flyers to bounce back into a playoff contention. Washington, I think, is in the same area as the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think they're an aging team that is possibly fringe and can get hot and become the first-place team in this division. I think that is literally the archetype for the Penguins and for the Washington Capitals. So we'll see what happens with that. The New York Islanders and the Carolina Hurricanes, to me, are going to be the class of this division this year. Carolina won their division last year. 
They did make a lot of moves, which is curious for a team that was as good as they were last season, especially in net. The Tony D'Angelo signing is what it is. It is not a great PR move. We'll see what they can do with it. I, I was shocked to see Carolina add them. And for the Islanders, they're bringing back the same team that has gone to the Eastern Conference Finals or whatever, the, the semifinals, the past two oh, years. All they need to do is they have $17 million. They need to re-sign Sorokin, Adam Pellick, and Anthony Beauvillier. They're probably going to be able to get that done, and they're basically the same team. And I'm, I'm done shitting on the Islanders before a season because they've made me look bad back-to-back -back years now. So, yeah, the Islanders are probably going to be one of the classes of the Metropolitan Division, as with the Hurricanes. But for the Pittsburgh Penguins, I think they're a fringe playoff team at the start of the season. We'll see what happens with Malkin and with Carter. And we'll see what happens with the goaltending situation and what Hextall does to remedy that. And that could make them a little bit more of a threat or a little bit more of a lock to be a postseason team. The thing with the Islanders is, yeah, they've made the conference finals two years in a row. They didn't look that great in either regular season. Yeah, they had their moments. They've had their, they had their runs in both regular seasons. Uh, they were in first place for a while in the East last year, and they were in first place in the Metro two years ago for a while, and then they drop off towards the end. But they still make the playoffs, and they still do dangerous things and in the playoffs. if you really want Philadelphia to be bad, they just have to rely on Martin Jones. Yeah, I know. That's, that's your boy. That's going to be so much fun to watch. Oh, my. But, Horwat, anything else about where the team stands right now that you want to mention before we move on to our pens poll. I don't think I have too much else other than, um, I got nothing. I'm just, I'm excited to see Brock McGinn and Dent Heinen, I guess. Dom Simone, who knows yeah. exactly what happens there. I think we've just gone over it all, you know? I, yep. Yeah. We've gone over all of it where it stands right now. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest of the division who knows? I mean, everyone's playing everyone this year. It's not like we have to only look at the division. We do have to look at how many times we play outside of it and take into account that, I mean, a majority of our games come in, you know, 41 of them are teams that are in the West, Western Conference. So, mm -hmm. you only play your division so much. Yeah, we have a couple teams that are in the shite for right race, which is Shane Wright, of course, the first overall pick for next year you know if you play shite you get Shane name. Wright and that's where uh Arizona Coyotes probably going to be in that race Buffalo Sabres as always are going to be in that race Columbus got a little better they might still be in that race I don't think they're going to be quite that bad but we'll have to see how all of this plays out obviously the Penguins are going to play every team this year for the first time in two seasons so we'll see how that plays out but for right now we're going to take a break when we come back, our pens poll. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you, as always, by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN on the DraftKings Sportsbook app or the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app for great deals and great opportunities. Definitely use DraftKings. I know I've loved DraftKings every second I've used it. I've taken a bit of a break from sports betting because I lost a lot of 
not a lot of money, but I just stopped winning for a while. So I stopped sports betting, taking a break, just kind of refresh the brain there. But our Pens poll this week, Horwat, now that both drafts, the expansion and the NHL entry, are over, what is the biggest piece of offseason business left for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Changes that goaltender, obviously, won the poll with 59%. Trading Jason Zucker and Marcus Pedersen came in second place with 31% of the vote. Finding depth forwards got 8% of the vote and other got 2% of the vote. So clearly this was a two horse race between changes at goaltender and trading Jason Zucker or Marcus Pedersen. Horwat, what do you think left is most important? You said you think the more moves are coming down the pipeline. What do you think is the most important piece of business? I probably said the, uh, the Zucker and Pedersen trade. Uh, the thing, when did you post this? This is before free agency, right? Yeah, this was last yeah, month. Uh, we found our depth forwards done. So that one would have been the winner in reality. So here we are with changes at goalie winning. Of course it is because it is a what have you done for me lately fan base. <laughs> and well, yeah, league. but I'm focusing on our fans here. And Tristan Jari, yeah. not much. Casey DeSmith, well, he was hurt, so nothing. Maxim Lagasse, hey, he had a shutout. Oh, he's in Tampa now? Cool. Uh, we have no goalies left, really. We signed one, which is cool. Uh, but it we didn't make a move for a goalie and we didn't make an attempt to change it so as of right now we're stuck with it that is why i'm kind of backing up on the zucker Pedersen. plus i mentioned it a lot earlier why Pedersen should be uh, attempted to moved out move moved out anyway so yeah boom. i think the best addition to the penguins top six would be jason zucker reverting to the player that we Good traded Lord, would it ever be I mean, clearly, it's going to be hard for him to play up to $5.5 million. And listen, he didn't do that last season, and I understand that. But if he can find any modicum of that early chemistry he had with Sidney Crosby, or he never really had chemistry with Evgeny Malkin, but if he can show what he showed in that first little half season or trade deadline Mm -hmm. to the end of the season, then I think that's a great addition to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And honestly... I know that he's on the trade block simply because of his cap space. Again, it's one of those things that the worst thing that ever happened to NHL general managers was capfriendly.com. It's one of the greatest things for me, but one of the worst things for NHL general managers. I think if Zucker can come around and just improve, start to get his shooting percentage up a little bit because we saw the effort last year. Clearly, the dude puts in the work. Clearly, the dude flies all over the ice, almost at TANF levels at points. He just needs to to get that finish a little bit better. And and I think we started to see that towards the end of last season. He had a nice goal in the playoff series against the New York Islanders. If we can start to see more stuff like that, then maybe you don't need to trade Jason Zucker. I know the cap situation is hard. The flat cap is going to have its casualties. But if Jason Zucker can come back to what he was when he first got to Pittsburgh, I think that would be a tremendous technically addition to the Pittsburgh Penguins top six this year. And I understand the changes of goalie are easily the biggest piece of offseason business. I mean, clearly what you saw from Tristan Jari in the postseason, it frightens you. And the would be different if he didn't have such a horrible start to the regular season as well. If he had gone out with a 922 save percentage and then did that in the postseason, that's one thing. But there were times where he was in the 800s and the 880s and save percentage in the regular season. And then to do that in the postseason, that's why there's some discontent 
with what Tristan Jari brings to the table. Now, again, both he could revert as well, and that would be great for the Penguins. But I think you need somebody else in there to reassure that what happens last season doesn't happen. And if Jari does start to play like that, there is an option that you can go to with experience in the postseason, like a Thomas Vokun, like a whatever Anton Hudobin did for the Dallas Stars a couple seasons ago. Have that guy there because you might need him with Tristan Jari. You might not, which would be great, but you might need him. Yeah, it's possible. You might. Um, ideally, any team should have the 1A, 1B situation. It's just sometimes, you know, it really doesn't help that the Andre Vasilevskis of the world are out there just eating yeah. people alive in that. So, you know, it's, it's hard when it, you just keep getting compared to some of the best in the sport right now. Clearly, we don't have that, but... Um, it also doesn't help that Flurry decided to revert to form, and yeah, well, that yeah, does, and that doesn't <laughs> sit well with the fan base. Man, if Matt Murray has a great season in Ottawa, the uh, <laughs> Lord help, Lord help everybody. If Matt Murray comes out and puts up a nine twenty save percentage with a, a two point five or below goals allowed average, you want to make Ottawa. it worse is if his if his one B and backup situation is Philip Gustafson. Which, again, yeah. <laughs> it prospect trade, it's still, you know. And that one that that's one that only, like, the diehards will understand, like us, because yeah. uh, if you don't actually play in Pittsburgh, a lot of people just won't know who you are. So, yeah, but no, that I think that would be the biggest stinger, is if we lost Gustafson to an awful, awful, was that the Broussard deal? That was part of the Broussard deal, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, if Gustafson pops off, I'm going to be mad. I'll be so mad. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll have to see what happens with all that. There's still not much to be done in the offseason for Ron Hextall. He might do something. He might not. He is kind of Fort Knox. And like I said, I have an article coming out today trying to decipher what his plan is for the Pittsburgh Penguins, both this season and in the future. So definitely go check that out. But before we go, one last piece of news for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Jake Gensel got married over the weekend. Yay. He is off the market, ladies. Congratulations to Jake and his now wife, Natalie, who got married over the weekend. It was great to see uh, the pictures of Chad Ruedel, Zach Aston-Reese, Teddy Bluger, all enjoying and all celebrating with Gensi. And obviously this is all via Chad Ruedel's Instagram. So thank you to his wife mainly for posting those pictures. And uh, yeah, congratulations to Jake. I didn't even know he was engaged, but congratulations. Uh, it's great that he got this piece of business done before the season. Now uh, we'll see. How he plays as a married man. Chad Rui I'm sure it won't change. How about much. Chad Ruidel just being every teammate's friend? He's but a awesome, great guy. Give him a awesome shot. Stuff. Give him a shot in the lineup. Let him play all eight. That's just a that's a uh, morale boost right there. You put him in the lineup. He's that's just everybody's buddy out there. You know. <laughs> I want to see what happens when he scores a goal this year because clearly he scored goals before, but I haven't paid too much attention to the reaction on the bench. I want to see him score a goal and see how happy everybody down the line of that bench is he's everyone's friend it's always his like social media that pops off with this stuff yeah he's everywhere everywhere and nowhere all at the same time i'm sure he's made a lot of friends in the press box because that's where he spent most of his time here in yeah, so he yeah but he's, he's been the best kind of he's been the best seventh defenseman for the penguins that i can remember who else misses 40 games three months and is just like yeah i'll come in put in 15 minutes have a great Corsi and have a couple shots on goal and not allow anything. 
So, uh, you got to love Chad Ruedel. You got to love Jake Gensel. Hopefully, he pops off for another point for game season. Horlot, anything else you want to say before we let the folks go for the first time? Uh, thanks to everyone who listened to the entirety of the last episode. I realized once we finished recording, everything was really long. How long did it end up being? Mm-hmm. Uh, just about an hour and 20 minutes. It's been a while since we've put out an episode that long. But we also had a yeah, exactly. great interview. So, we... if you haven't heard it before... Go back and listen to our interview with Jesse Marshall on our last episode, episode six. If you only want to listen to the interview, that's out there. That's on YouTube. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a ton of, that's just, yeah. Thanks everyone who listened to that because it's been a while since we have had an episode like that. This one is starting to drag yeah. on. I'm seeing my thing hit 51 minutes. So uh, <laughs> sorry again, but Hey, I hope you like hockey talk. Yeah. I hope it was good content. I hope you guys all enjoyed the episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. That's going to do it for this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg, Season 2, Episode 69. It was a great episode. It was a nice episode. But we're going to see you guys on Thursday. Have a good week, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwatt41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.